Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. We are, of course, this season doing 2020. Can you believe it? Such a great year. 2020 movies out the wazoo. Joining me on this adventure are my two best friends, and they are competing to win points and my heart to be best friend overall. First up is Mike. Mike, hello. How are you? How are you doing, bud? I'm doing dandy. I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to be here. That wasn't... Uh, I know yeah. I feel mean toward Oof. deaf listeners. Okay, Ryan. That's going to be another point for Ryan. <sighs> Ryan is up 3-0 at this Shit. point. If you want to know why, go back, listen to the Patreon episode, if you can get it through legitimate means. Stop pirating our stuff. Somebody, I'm sure, who does it. Ryan, you are also here. Welcome, bud. Why do you think you should be best friend? Uh, to you, because uh, number one, I'm not offensive towards deaf people. Uh, <laughs> with literally the first thing that I said. Good start. Um, also, Patreon uh, members or people who want to be on Patreon, you can do it through the Patreon website or it's official. Our Patreon is now on Roku TV. So <laughs> go ahead and get it there as well, finally. <laughs> <laughs> we have answered the prayers of so many of the listeners and we provided our hookup through Roko TV. Well, you know, for 2020, we are not sure what movies are the bracket movies yet, right? So we're just watching some of the movies that we really liked. And Mike, you were the one who picked Sound of Metal. Did yes. you pick it because you had seen it and liked it or because you heard good things about it? What what occasioned the pick? Had not now, seen Greg it. just said heard things that you liked, Mike. Please be careful and don't be offensive. I'm sorry, I... S- stuttered i had not did i stutter yes i had not uh seen it before this week uh, i saw the trailer a while back and big fan of riz Ahmed, and i was like holy shit that movie looks dope i want to see this guy in more things uh so there we go i know him from the star wars rogue rogue one yes he's in rogue one uh nightcrawler i because i was trying to think this because there's a lot of oh, stuff yeah. i haven't seen but yeah he was in nightcrawler with uh he played Joe nightcrawler Hall. on the x-men i didn't really understand rogue one because i didn't see the Rogue Zero, I guess, Ryan. Fuck yeah, the one with no calories. Uh, <laughs> Rogue Free. Rogue, Rogue Free. free? Yeah. Mark. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, like he, uh, it's the night of, I think, would be his biggest. Yeah. I, okay. I just yeah. We're not really allowed to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I, he's definitely on the list of like, I hope somebody makes a movie soon where it's a full on actor's clinic mm-hmm. and he just gets to go off, you know? And I do. You don't I, think that was I, Venom I, for him? I don't think that was Venom for him. Uh, that was, uh, what's her name? From Parks and Rec. Money, please. Jenny Slate. Jenny Slate, thank you. That oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah, um, signed by Utes. Signed by Subi, Subi Bits. But yeah, on the list of people who deserve a movie that's just basically their performance filmed, he was mm. definitely on that list. And I'm glad that he got this, you know? And his torso filmed. Oh, yeah. Let's face it. This, this this guy is he's got a torso. Well, we're gonna have a chance to talk about him. Had, did have either of you had exposure to? I know this is a director. Uh, what's his name? Darius Darius Martyr. Martyr. I know it's his first directing movie, but he has written some others. Did you see any, either of the other ones of his that he's been, was either the writer or the co writer on? His writing partner, uh, Derek. Seen France? Uh, I've seen his movies before, but no, I'm all I'm totally new to the Martyr family, which okay. is crazy because if you watch the credits to this movie, 
the 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 last name Martyr is all up and down this shit, and I don't know if that like does that give me warm feelings or is that amateur as fuck? Like hire yeah, some different people. It's hard to say, and I feel like we're gonna know the answer to that in a few years, as like uh, what a cop out that is to say. But like this is a fresher experience than most that we get. Mm-hmm. You know, usually we kind of like at least have some amount of time with our our finger in the air to test the winds of pop culture. But this movie was released in theaters for a very short time. It made not joking, $6,000, and then was released <laughs> a little bit wider on on social or on uh, streaming just a couple weeks ago. So it'll be things like the fact that their whole fucking family made this movie will be, you know, something that is either the beginning of something or... It's a pretty cool family. Weird. My family just, like, does puzzles. But they're like, guys, this year for Christmas, let's all just make a movie. Let's just make a movie, you know, just about, like, the things that we lose and what it means and everything. Well, well, I guess if you want, if you want a group of people who are going to die for streaming, make them martyrs. Oh yeah, like martyrs, Mike. That's going to be <laughs> one sweet point. For... I didn't. I didn't want to say anything and lose the chance to get that point for doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just let it happen. Just let it happen. Well, obviously, we are dying to talk about this movie, and so we are going to do that on the other side of these wonderful commercials. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music check him out the sound of metal tells the story of a rock drummer reuben who is losing his hearing and must learn to live with his new hearing loss while confronting all his old demons chief among them an addiction to heroin which not to get political but don't do heroin everybody the film follows reuben as he parts from his girlfriend lou and begins the hard work of rebuilding his life and learning how to sit with the silence he now finds himself in the movie asks how do we deal with loss And how do we deal with never getting back those things that were most precious to us? Along the way, the audience is transported by Riz Ahmed's transcendent performance and rookie director Darius Martyr's ambitious sound design, both of which deliver the audience an experience that is at once moving and powerful, even as it embraces the still, and yes, finally, the quiet. Gentlemen, calling a movie an actor's showcase is often pejorative to the rest of the film. A, is this movie an actor's showcase for Riz Ahmed, and B... Is that totally okay if you want to tell an intimate story? I think it's okay. I think it's a little weird for us in this situation. Yeah, I think that it's rare for an actor showcase to make it into the elite eight of any given year. Okay, uh, yeah. you know, like right. uh, I think that uh, more often than not, that when you capital D direct the hell out of something, it's going to make it into that elite eight, and it gives us so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Also, it's it's weird for us because this sort of thing kind of went away. Yeah. You know, like this, this is like a, this is this 70s, franchise. 80s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe w- one day we'll get uh, like Star-Lord 
uh, having to leave the Guardians and battle his uh, space drug demons, and then we'll get like a quiet Marvel movie. Maybe coming uh, to terms with the fact that he's bi. Didn't Marvel <laughs> just announce that he's bi? Like, you know. My God, what would you pay to watch Chris Pratt's reaction to that news? <laughs> but no, because. But uh, I like to. If you think about uh, it, because when I'm. Wait, does that mean. Management. Call my management. <laughs> Time to pray on it, Chris. Um. It, it I, I think this is harder it's uh to like talk about what martyr it's harder to talk about martyr and what he is capable of and it's so much easier and I would like to to talk about what Riz Ahmed is capable of of just taking over a movie mm-hmm. and like absolutely destroying like great performance but I also think that like with that comes a director who lets him and you right. know like right. make sure to set like set him up for it's, all of it's, that yeah it's not just like you could see me directing so big and I'm only talking about the biggest issues. I do think I, this one definitely is an actor's, I forget the word you said there, Greg, uh, actor's showcase, an actor's showcase. Uh, it's definitely that. And I, I think there are boring actor's showcase movies or movies that are like, well, they did great, but then nobody else really rose to it. But this movie is obviously centered on Ruben and Riz, but everybody else it's like supporting players in the in the perfect sense that like everybody does what they need to do and lets them go and it, i don't think it's boring i think intimate is a great word and that's what this is and that is okay and it doesn't make it like Mark. any less artistic is uh, this paul racy is that they say it? r-a-c-i is this paul racy erasure is this like by just talking so much about riz ahmed's performance are we forgetting a performances like olivia cook and right the, and, and paul racy is joe Joe, yeah. yeah. And Joe, who, I like, I mean, crushes. in somebody else's quote, actor showcase, unquote, like, is delivering the news and the weather. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think everybody Riz interacts with. They're, they're, I don't think there is a weak link of this movie. It's just obviously the movie's not trying to see, like, what's Joe's interiority? It's just how, how does Joe react to Riz? And I think that's okay because that's exactly the kind of story this movie's trying to create. Yeah, I think that a lot of times with a movie like this, then uh, you'll get flat characters right. uh, who uh, nobody took the time to like cast well or write good because this is Ruben's show. And because and, they're going to be in the movie for like three minutes. Right. And they only service this particular type of story or like whatever they need to do in that moment. But with this, I think that we have incredible casting, incredible writing with fleshed out characters who still only serve Ruben's story. Yeah. There's not there's not B plot lines, you know. There's it's not like uh uh Paul Racy mm-hmm. yeah. uh ha- has like an affair with one of the students and then there's This drama is Joe there. who's like, like the the leader of the yeah. sort of like the recovery the cragged face wise man. Yeah, but who like, just looks like so perfect, like like a piece of leather just left out all day. Just his non reactions to stuff. You're like, is that a good non reaction or is that a, a he's mad non reaction? But like, it <laughs> is slightly different. Sometimes Smart. it fucking rules to not cast big name actors mm-hmm. in every part. Sometimes it rules to cast like you know the the person who's actually been through it. And uh, all these people are serving Ruben's story only, but you can feel. Their sto- their lives outside right. of that, you know, yeah. you can feel that they are three dimensional, and we just get a little glimpse of this shit. And that uh, this movie, you have to be able to build a world without having the Star Wars crawl in the beginning. Right? You know, you have to you have to not let people know that you're building a world, 
and yet still do it. Yeah, yeah well, like all the details you see of hi- of him early in the movie where he's like so regimented in his morning routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means so much more. At first, that just seems like well, you're watching him do his morning routine, but that is, like you said, Ryan, world building. Because later you find out this is a guy who can't stop moving for even like one minute. When he's making his coffee, that phase where they say that you should just let the aromas like sort of enter your nostrils and take a moment to reflect on the good smell of coffee, he drops down to do like burpees. Uh-huh. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> <laughs> Always grinding. Always grinding. Not just the Greg, coffee. Why did you let this why'd you let this bro on the show? <laughs> this guy. And but yeah, I mean that's world building. Uh that their band is like trying to figure out what's small but about to get mid tier. Black gammon. Yeah, and like that people are responding, so there's a story there. The his friend he makes who helps sell him all, who helps sell off his equipment, and she gets Jen? the tattoo. Jen, she gets the tattoo. She obviously has stuff going on because why Jen's would you just fucking get a, rad, dude? Yeah, like everybody has just enough life that they would go on, and like I think a worse movie and a lot of like actors uh, showcases uh, I, the predictability. I thought he was going to end up with the teacher, the elementary school teacher, mm-hmm. when he's deaf, Billy Madisoning. Mike, I guarantee he does. It's just later, but I guarantee he does. After the Everything movie. that you thought was going to happen at the end of this movie, it does happen at the end of this guy's story. It just doesn't happen in this movie because this movie's not as even though this is a rookie director, it's not an amateur effort, and so they just don't do things that like are, would be too movie like. But I guarantee he goes back and he gets with that chick and he takes they over vibed. like that. <laughs> yeah, they vibe hard, dude. The second he saw her, or the second she saw him, she was like, hey, what's up? I think that the, that director is doing this the entire movie, though, of, like, they they vibe, and then we don't have them hook up. Uh-huh. It's sort of, like, what he's into. Even right from the very beginning, the fact that, like, this metal musician uh, wakes up in the morning and drinks athletic greens, you know, and, like, <laughs> uh, does push-ups and uh, makes his... Too girlfriend coffee uh breakfast and coffee as opposed to just like uh getting blowjobs and doing drugs and all that stuff also he was like he's trying to wake up lou yeah and i for sure thought she was dead (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) they're in a band he's trying like he's he's pushing her she's fucking dead because that's how music like rock and roll movies there should be blood coming out of her nose yeah did you notice he's fucking with us the entire time the exact area he pokes her with the drumsticks is like in the arm that she scratches when she's with him yeah like that's like exactly where he's poking at her oh shit greg in the, <laughs> yes okay wait hang on good put a boy here. that's what it's it's what, what's great about this movie is it's not a metal drummer he builds a specific reuben like you just said because we, we all have like our own connotations what we think of when we think of this kind of musician and it really is this guy reuben specific story not any metal drummer story and i think that's very important because at first i was like okay so he was also a heroin addict are we just trying to kitchen sink everything that's happening uh-huh. but it all does weave together i think it's interesting the way that unfolds, though, isn't it? Because at first you're like, okay, he can't hear. Obviously, that's very upsetting. But he seems like there seems to be like an extra level of upset that mm-hmm. he is. And it takes. And when you realize it's because he's like, okay, uh, drumming is the thing that like keeps me straight mostly. And so right. I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't have that. So the not having my hearing, it does suck. But it, there's a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that right in the beginning, that foregrounds, he has like kind of the right attitude about his hearing, which is that like the hearing is only good in itself it's not good in itself it necessitates something right and right. so like he right away you, you know is is worried not about having not having hearing but about the thing that is going to cost him to not have 
Going back to Martyr real quick. Uh, not only did he cast Riz and Olivia, um, but he also decided who was going to do the sound design. Mm. Yeah. And he also decided to not hire a fucking somebody to write the score. Like that decision right there is insane. Like uh-huh. I will I will give I'm gonna fuck with people's hearing so much, I will never give them the false thought of like strings in the back like John Williams is not gonna come in and save any scene. Right. No. I'm gonna do it. And all of that right. stuff, you know, even though it's not there's not like a ton of crane shots and there's not a ton of like uh Spielbergian moments. Like a lot of natural beauty in the movie yeah. though. The director is setting like all of that stuff too, you know, and yeah. he's saying that like I, I I I I want this to be a very specific mood, and I think that restraint for he wants if you're a director you want to have those moments you want to have your storm on Normandy you know a, at least a couple times in the movie and for him to just say no I think is sort of what shows that like he's got this down even though it's his first movie. Do you think this is the... I mean, obviously, this feels like a, a major coming out party, right? Like, this must be the beginning of, of something for Darius Martyr, right? Do you think this is going to make a, a splash and make a name for him? I think so, and I hope so, because I, uh, I'm i nervous about movies like this. Yeah. Because you know, it made like, $6,000 in the theaters? But yeah, I hope and... everybody goes, but look at the year it was. Like, Yeah. But And I also hope that, like... I'm sure he will get a Marvel movie next year, but I hope he gets to make a few more movies before that happens. Like, I, I want these young indie directors to be able to keep making the kinds of movies they should make before studio systems swallow them up. Mark. Yeah, I mean, I I, I am hopeful for him. And it honestly, it reminded me of another movie from this year, which is actually is like more action-packed then, which is First Cow. Uh, in that, like, it is kind of slow and uh, contemplative in the way the first cow is, but first cow is even slower than this. So I don't know. Maybe like it, there's still a there's still room for kind of like slow, intimate cinema out there. The other movie uh, too is The Vast of Night, which is another Amazon Prime movie that uh, I is is so good, guys. Please go see it. I, it's not going to make our 2020 bracket, and that's a bummer. Um, but it's just doing so much with so little and just being patient and figuring out how to work around budget uh-huh. and then these these fucking directors are just going to get all of the budget they ever imagined and you know and that magic goes away yeah. and yeah. i think i think that even though this feels like you could watch this and you could be like oh this should have been a hallmark movie this should be a tv show this should be you know this is just like a biopic whatever um this guy's doing a lot with a little that you may not notice i, I there's definitely talent here and i think it does gain a lot from just being a movie right like mm-hmm. i it, it it's it's nice that it's not longer i like that there are dimensions to it that we don't really see um that you know it, it ends maybe before the narrative arc seems to end for the for the main character those all seem like ton- strengths that it has there's a ton of decisions made just because of the link mm-hmm. like this guy was yeah. like this is gonna be a movie and i could see how i i wanted the movie to be shorter when i look at it as a whole but when i look at each individual part I think there should be twenty more minutes to each like act. Right. Totally. You know, like and he had to he had to like chop all that shit out and say, No, you know what? I'm making a twenty or a two hour feature film. Yeah, if if this was a show, I'd be so bummed to see that the, the end is perfect because so Riz or Ruben takes off his implants, which I did not know the whole movie you could just do that. I thought you'd have to go back to the doctor. Uh so I got <laughs> freaked out because he's metalhead, so I was just gonna rip him out of his head. Uh and then it's finally quiet. I I don't need to see him then go be happy with the kids and start yeah. dating the elementary school teacher. And then like to be like, see that one powerful moment 
here's all the proof that it was powerful like to, to end there mark and the other thing awesome. is it, it doesn't matter if he does go back to that school okay. and it doesn't matter if he ends up with that that woman because what well, all that matters is that he he achieved if only for a moment that stillness and no matter what he does in addition to that like everything else kind of has fallen away and he's he's managed to like achieve that 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 centeredness of himself so i think that he'll have that to to you know that's the perfect ending really it doesn't matter what else he does with his life that's the perfect ending and that is the perfect ending to the segment wouldn't you say i would definitely thanks greg when we come back we're going on a little hike to mount rushmore mount rushmore ah uh, yes mount rushmore Four famous presidents who, between them, I believe, owned over 300 slaves. Only two of them actually owned slaves. But I think if you added all that up, that'd be probably close to 100 slaves per president. Something to think about. So what we're going to do is we're going to take down all of those presidents, and we are going to replace them with fictional drummers non-slave owning drummers non i'll tell you this right off the bat if you bring me a slave owning drummer i'm gonna say like no that's the whole reason why we dynamited the original mount mountain get out of here you jerk like that i gotta say when the board pitched this i was like uh that's stupid this is bullshit there are zero and then after going to my thinking hill oh yeah and sitting at it uh my goodness what a fucking rich ripe area for discussion maybe the board knows what they're doing sometimes I have stolen an idea from once and future host Mike, and I have myself a drummer that will get you three points if you come up with it, because I'm thinking of the perfect pop culture drummer. So good luck to you, friends. May the fortune favor you. All right, let's start with Mike. Mike, who is to you an iconic fictional drummer i'm, I'm gonna say the linchpin and I, but i do want to before i say that that i stole that from once and future host ryan just so all credit is given everywhere go team and probably i did well, it first don't you think ryan if we're being honest i stole it from greg yeah ryan thank you ryan for being honest this is my idea i'm a smart boy i'm a good boy animal Yes, no there build it is. Up. It has to be animal. <laughs> of course. Wait, that's the three pointer. One, two, three <laughs> points for Mike. Oh my god! He is, of course, based on the most fictional real life drummer, Keith Moon, <laughs> and he's just <laughs> arms go everywhere. He doesn't give a fuck. Like when you think of like the stereotypical drummer, it's just they base their life and personality on Animal, the puppet Muppet. It's all motion. None of it really makes sense. Like, I think probably most drummers would tell you that the fundamentals aren't really there with Animal. He's not uh, a metronome. That's not it. But it's the energy. Mm. It's sort of the the joy of being alive. The love of the sticks. That's what you get with Animal. Okay, so typically, like, the... uh, the one that gets three points is like something that Greg loves that's off the beaten path, not the most obvious thing. But I'll I'll, I'll just keep playing this fucking fake ass game show that you guys are doing. Uh, I, I like I like uh, Animal because when it comes to drumming fundamentals, he brings the fun, the duh, and the mental. That dude is crazy <laughs> as shit. Ryan, that's pretty good. Pretty good, Ryan. You kind of made that your own. Ryan, so now the most obvious one has been taken off the board. But are there any other drummers, or should we just call it a segment and each go back to our respective rooms? Who doesn't just go, doom, 
But also, doonch, 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 doonch. Not many It is Guy Patterson. He wears sunglasses, and he, he is in a little band called The Wonders. He, the O'Neaters. is Spartacus. Uh, called in because he basically could kind of play the drums, and the original O'Neaters drummer broke his arm. But then a little bit better, because he didn't have to steal the spotlight. Their original drummer treated every song as if it was Wipeout, and not every song is. And uh, he was—I disagree. He was just there to like lay in a fundamental beat, and nothing too flashy. To still kick it up without stealing the spotlight, be like, uh, "Jimmy, you wrote a good song. If you played it five times faster than what you think this ballad should be." <laughs> Do you guys remember the sweet, sweet time of 1996, where uh, Tom Everett Scott and Jonathan Schreck were about to become the new? Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. I still Pitt. think uh-huh. they will be someday. Sure. Maybe, you know, <laughs> this 2021, it could be their year. Ryan, well, I have to I have to give it to you because I'm an O'Neaters fan from way back. Uh, hey, wasn't that our fan? <laughs> All right. Mike, who do you got? We have two up on the mountain. Uh, famously a drummer. Famously, I don't know if we ever see him drum in the movies, <laughs> maybe once, but uh, he always sure does have sticks in his hand and will air drum the shit out of everything. And I think Garth Algar deserves to be on this goddamn mountain. <laughs> Garth Algar. Uh, so yeah, he would clearly be the drummer if if they actually had any sort of band. Do, do we actually see him doing drumming at in, any in, point? In one of the movies, he like animal style goes nuts on the drums. Yeah, it might be in his up. own head. But because Dana Carvey can actually drum, right? I'm sure he can. Yeah. Yeah. It's on full Steve Carell can ice skate level. Yeah. Like, you have to write this in the script. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. That's pretty good. And he's making the faces, which if we're talking about drummers, the faces they make, man, it's like they're having a lot of mini strokes in a row and he does all the faces while he's playing. I don't know about R- Mount Rushmore, what? but he's definitely on mound maybe because I think he may be one of the best drummers. I just I want to be picky and choosy. Ryan, who is another uh, great pop culture drummer? Before this mountain gets insane, uh, with a lot of crazy people, I have to bring up Andrew Neiman from Whiplash. Uh, His name is Whiplash, uh, yeah. Somebody Ryan. who... <laughs> I have to bring up Jonathan Whiplash. Whiplash from the movie just, Whiplash. Who is just absolutely abused into becoming the greatest drummer of all time. And he, like, uh, a lot of times when we think of, like, music dum-dums like me, as, as you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a music dum-dum. Uh, when I think of, like, people who really drum their little hearts out, I'm thinking of, like, the rockers and the rollers, right? I'm thinking of the heavy sure. metalers. Uh, but he's kind of got that big band jazz. And that is, I think, the, for people in the know, is that the real, like, epitome of, of, of drumming? I also thought that jazz was like uh, grab one stick that's sort yeah. of a stick and then one stick that's not and just be like... One stick is just brush. like a brush. You were just like painting and you're just like, now I'm drumming with it. Yeah. But according to this movie, if you uh, play jazz, then you have to be bashing everything as loud as you can as fast <laughs> as you can. That's whiplash yeah, style, baby. <laughs> and that's what you have to say at the end whip of the song. all day. Hey, that's whiplash style, baby. All right. Well, yeah, I'm going to put it right on the mountain. Joe Whiplash from the movie Whiplash. It's Mike. Let's talk about history's first drummer. First okay. in our hearts. Jesus? First in history. Pre-Jesus, because he drummed Pre-Jesus. to let everybody know 
Jesus was born and went oh. pa pum pum It is the little drummer boy, one of the most famous pop culture drummers of all time. <laughs> you see him every Christmas. You think about him throughout the year. The little drummer so, boy. A lot of times... A lot of times when people see footage of like uh, women screaming in the front row of a, a show, they think it's Elvis, but it's actually the little drummer boy little coming out boy. on Ed Sullivan doing his first gig. Check it out. They were like, listen, a new special baby dropped, and we're all going to fucking roll and check out this cool baby. And this kid was like, I'm going to come. And they're like, all right, here's the deal. This baby is so fucking rad that you got to bring like stuff for the baby just to get a good look at it. And he's like, I have literally nothing <laughs> except for this drum and he's like you know what i'll do i'll just bust out a drum solo That's, for a baby when my sister was giving birth i barged in with a snare and just and how was it received just a drum roll oh they did not know what to do with it i think they were so taken aback with my skill well it's hard to imagine somebody outclassing the drummer boy but ryan do you have anybody i'm going to put him temporarily on the top of the maybe heap I want to see what else we have to choose from. Do you have anyone better than Little Drummer Boy? Lil Drummer Boy is his SoundCloud name. Uh, this person is probably a little bit less famous, but I think more important to us. Um, at a certain point, Paul Rudd looks up and he's like, where is that guy? And that guy is Anthony. And he's inside. He's a giant ant oh, in the movie yeah. Ant-Man and Wasp, fucking rocking out on a drum set like a drummer would. Now, here's why I am not going to go with Anthony. Uh, the electronic drums. I don't like them. Ooh. I, I like I like old school. And what's older school than Little Drummer Boy up on the mountain, Mark? Little Drummer Boy right up there. Ryan, tell us, who is the Mount Rushmore of iconic drummers? This electric thing, that means you would have hated my final one, which is uh, Tech Maor, the drummer for Figure and Dan and the Modal Nodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know if that is drums, but I don't know. Space it drums. looks like what <laughs> it looks like what squids would touch in the future. It's I guess. space drums. Your uh, fictional drummers, Mount Rushmore, is Animal Guy Patterson from That Thing You Do, Andrew Neiman from Whiplash, and the Little Drummer Boy from the Little Drummer. All boy. the hit songs, <laughs> Little Drummer Boy. That's a super group. Get the four of them together on one stage, and that's going to be magic. An all drum band. Have they even done that yeah. yet? <laughs> Who doesn't? Oh love my that? god! That's all I all to. drum band. Uh, just put the check in the mail. All right. When we come back, we're getting back to our little drummer boy, Ruben. So much hinges on the relationship between Lou and Ruben whose ship name is Lubin, which is pretty sexy. How much truth do they bring as a couple in various phases of the relationship in the first act and in the third act? I think that the first, I think it's pretty economical that the first act where it's like, here's your normal morning and normal day. That's all you get. And now here's the fucked up day. Like he could probably have done that like three or four more times, but because Ruben's schedule especially is so regimented. We only need that first day to let us know what will be crazy after then. And the, the way they dote on each other, if you show us that too much, we'll start to be like, this is unhealthy. Instead of showing us just that once, you're like, maybe they are a good couple. And throughout the rest uh-huh. of the movie, <laughs> you're thinking about it and go, maybe they were always unhealthy. <laughs> Mark. Yeah, it, it's hard for me to remember now after finishing the movie. What we should do is we should do a podcast after every act. Ooh. You know, and then... <laughs> 
uh, match them up later. But uh, I thought that they were... Uh, now, I, I think uh, what I'm going to guess is that I thought that they were uh, good together for a certain reason, but young uh-huh. and dumb. And that led to me thinking that when a French guy says at the end, who is this? That, you know, Lou had found a French guy to fuck. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, like it was her dad. But that's not the issue with the thing, the, the relationship. The issue wasn't that uh, she wanted to go off and fuck other people. It's that that they were so tight, so close in this growing, arcing period of their life. Mm-hmm. And, and the period is all of his sobriety... And it seems like by the end of the movie, perhaps the period right after her mom has taken her own life. Right. Yeah. So they knew each other like, that's those are not great times to get with no. somebody. Because <laughs> they, they, they both looked at each other as the cure to the thing instead of dealing with the thing. Because yeah. his anger issues are still there. That's why Joe Mark. says, we're trying to fix this and points between his head. And Lou scratches her arm when Ruben's around. She says, uh-huh. in a very fucked up version of, if you're a bird, I'm a bird, she says, if you hurt yourself, I hurt myself, uh, yeah. which yeah. is not, not not a good sign of love. Uh, but when she he is not around, she doesn't do that anymore. But yeah, yeah I mean, like, like, she to- and it like totally heals. And then she starts as, she's, the first time you see her do it is as soon as he wakes her up in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then you see her do it again when he wakes up from his nap or whatever, and they're talking, and she starts scratching her arm again. And this is not me saying what I usually say about how we should hire one lawyer to handle all three of our divorces, get a motorcycle. We each buy a motorcycle. Mike and I don't even want to get divorces, Ryan. Okay. Well, yeah. Say that now that we're recording. (laughs) Um, But I I don't, I don't think that it's just that they only saved each other. You know, like that, that's not what the relationship only relied upon, but uh, it's how it started. And they never gave themselves the chance to see what life would be like without each other, mm-hmm. you know? and Because so, they really didn't save each other, right? Like, they they clung to each other. Right. And that prevented either one of them from, like, going Healing, to the shore growing. because they just, like, yeah. And their world but, is like, so insular. Mm-hmm. Like, they obviously, like, people like right. their band and people like them, but it's only them all of the time on that in that little van. I think it was important for the movie and for all these realizations to not have a five-piece metal band that's in a bus yeah. together yeah. or flying together and always or. hanging out with these other three guys. It was important that it was a two-piece with them, and so they didn't know anything else. And so then you just reasonably assume that we are perfect for each other. And and did you notice that when they perform together, even though they're performing together, it's very isolated? Mm. Like they each perform individually. Yeah. And so they're both, they're not in the same song. They're kind of, and I get this, I, I wonder if this was supposed to be sort of also like a, maybe a, um, uh, an analog for their sexual lives as well. That they're like, or they're just their relationship. That instead of being in the same thing, they're both kind of individually in their own version right. of what their I, relationship is. I mean, is. I don't think it would have worked if the roles were reversed, you know, if it was closer to white stripes with the girls, the drummer, because Ruben has a literal wall in front of, if you play yeah. any other instrument, then mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a tiny guitar or a tiny harmonica mm-hmm. or a tiny triangle. If you're into the music that I'm into, but for him, tiny it was a, it was 13 drums separating them that he got to hide behind. Yeah. He hid behind and just stared at her so he could have the object of his affection. And it was just, I'm glad it only like, speckled this throughout the movie but everybody who's into this band is so obviously into lou 
if they got a new drummer, yeah. they'd be like, yeah. oh, Ruben's gone. But that's fine. Like, she is that. And so there's also some some Mark. ego that, and they both seem to know she's the talent, right? Mm. And, that, and it seems like she is kind of like ascendant at the yeah. end of the movie, right? Like, she's now in Paris, and it's like, she's kind of starting to do her own Weird. Emily Wells style, like, looping mm-hmm. while she performs on her own type style thing. Looping. I think they- Looping? Halfway, oh, the damn, Ryan. Sure. Looping. Halfway through the movie, uh, Ruben watches her at some artsy-fartsy experimental, like, museum exhibit, and you, you see him, he rolls his eyes, you know? And that's, yeah. part, that's part, like- Oh, she's so wacky, but it's also part like, oh, I am insecure about this. Yeah. By the end of the movie, I I think it's more like, I'm done with all of this. You know, like I think I might be an adult now. Like, uh, Ruben says, uh, you know, I like I, I I have to take care of some things, and what he's talking about is getting the trailer back. because uh, you remember how awesome that was, and she was like, oh yeah, that little thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that little time of our lives. Well, her you know? eyebrows are dead. It's very diff- interesting how they both change their things like she is a face she's dying her eyebrows his are he has a tattoo of undies he has a tattoo that says please kill me which is like a reference to richard hell's television like very old school og punk rock like and some, also does not unbleach his hair no that that <laughs> hair stays bleached the entire even movie. though six months go by it doesn't grow it doesn't change how it's bleached that means he had his friend jen bleach his hair again <laughs> leave the roots though it looks cool um, and you know you know jen's reaction would be like oh fucking do it but are you sure? Like, come on. This doesn't dude. feel like this doesn't feel like me taking care of you. It feels like <laughs> me hurting you. By the way, that that character Jen, that is exactly what I looked like in middle school. Like, I looked exactly man, like you were Jen. fly as hell, man. It was like looking in a mirror. Not not a tattoo of a naked woman on your back, but a a taped on picture, like yeah. a Playboy page on your back the entire time. Do they have the most graceful Lou and um? Lou and Ruben, do they have the most graceful breakup of all time? Yes, and that's what made it feel real. That's how you know, even though it was unhealthy, that it was like a close, good relationship for a while because so gracious the two of them, like it's so adult and so like I I loved that moment. Like it was heartwarming as they ended. Mark is yeah. Is that like one of the most romantic yeah. like breakups of of all time? It's a uh, in a in a movie full of like incredible moments and performances. Uh, Olivia Cook's like what what the fuck are you talking about? Why, yeah, I don't even know what you're talking. This? <laughs> this is crazy. Even though she's like thanking him, you know, yeah. just like with her heart in her eyes, saying like fucking thank you for stepping up and doing this, but saying like what? <laughs> no, can we? No, Olivia Cook, I love you, man. The only thing I'd seen her in was Ready Player One. Which maybe I shouldn't besmirch anybody's ability. You know what you should see her in? Movie. Check out uh, Vanity Fair. Okay, based and on that because uh, William Makepeace Thackeray joint did nothing that made me think she was a good up and comer. Should be acting in Ready Player One, but now I'm like, oh shit, she should be in everything, right? Yeah, she's really, really good. And again, I mean, we talked about the way that this is kind of like Riz Ahmed's, like you know, coming out party or whatever, but. She is one of the other actors delivering an amazing performance, you know, either the, the second or third best performance in the entire movie. It almost feels ensemble-like, really, when you break it all down, except nobody else is given quite the amount of screen time to to make that to make that case, perhaps. The other one, too, I want to throw out is uh, Ms. Sound of Metal uh, is with Ms. Queen's Gambit in Thoroughbreds, and oh. the two of them are distracted together. Yeah, I mean, like, they both are great at the thing of, like, don't be normal, don't be weird. Mm-hmm. Ride uh-huh. the line, you know? 
<laughs> don't be normal. Don't be weird. Sounds like me talking to myself in middle school. Don't be too normal. Don't be too weird. Don't be too normal. Don't be too weird. When we come back, genres, they're great. But can we switch them? Well, that is very, very funny. Or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about. Or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at Your Pop Filter. Email contacts at Your Pop Filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Here I am, and I got a bunch of new Hollywood movies that I got to make. Hollywood's way backed up. Not many movies. And I think I know the reason why. And that's because there's no original ideas, which are very difficult to come up with. So don't do it. That's what I say. Don't do it. Give up on it. Give up on everything difficult before you start feeling depressed about how your life is going. So I got these two young gentlemen, kind of like a young Matt Damon, but like a middle-aged Ben Affleck, kind of like a puffy Ben Affleck. You guys are in my office, and you're going to pitch me a whole boatload, a whole short load of new movies. Is that correct? We have been sitting here. We've been sitting here for 25 minutes just listening to The preamble, to it takes a long time for me to warm up. It's the first meeting of the day. Yeah, you have to work out those vocal cords. Exactly, exactly. Pin don't down even, that accent. Don't even talk to me until I've had my first few accents for the day. That's <laughs> what you got to know about me. All right, well, here's the deal. We want movies. And we got right now, the best way I think that you come up with a movie is you come up with an existing movie. And then you just switch the genre, right? Then nobody knows what you're even doing. Genius. All right, so here, well, here's the... Uh, what? What? Uh, what? I think the best way it would work is that if, if Mike and I, sir, uh, we tell you a movie that we want to remake, and then we pitch to you the genre that we should do. No, that would that would never work in a million years. And I can't even begin to go into why with a stupid idea that is... Ugh. This is why I have this big, nice office, and you guys got nothing. You feel literally nothing. Either one of you don't have anything. All right. <clears throat> so, here's the deal. The movie that's doing boffo box office numbers, just crazy. Uh, many tens of thousands of dollars. Emma, right, by a young Jane Austen. Have you heard of this, this, this young... Mm -hmm. writer Jane Mm -hmm. Austen oh my god she's going to places she knows what the kids like nowadays and what the kids like nowadays balls (laughs) yeah they do balls right all night they want the balls okay is that the genre uh it's not no don't be ridiculous but probably this is going to be probably going to be wall-to-wall balls by the time you're done because it's Emma uh but what if Emma was a comic book action adventure movie. Pitch me on that now. <laughs> All right. Imagine if. Uh, I don't want to imagine. I want to see it on the big screen so I don't have to use my imagination. All right. See on the big screen if. Okay. Uh, your mind. <laughs> you're right. I'm doing that. An Olsen non-twin dresses <laughs> Wanda Maximoff. Fucking freak the fuck out, and all of a sudden said, uh, "No more mutants." House of Emma, <laughs> and that is where we are. Always meddling, Emma. It's like leave well enough alone. 
Don't and, and, erase people from existence. And so she is go we're going through the beats of Emma. She's she's helping her the mayor or whatever Mr. Hall is in the Emma story. Uh but the whole time she's getting flashes of modernity and cars and she's freaking out. And so Ooh. she's trying to matchmake and she's trying to figure out what is going on because her magic was so powerful, even she's forgotten she's from the future. The only thing that she can do is to go back through the dimensions, get Gwyneth Paltrow. Aww. Share Alicia Silverstone Horowitz. from Clueless. Whoa. Share Horowitz. And all of a sudden, we've got an Austin Avengers. We could probably work on that. Uh, the name of the team. The Emmaverse. And now they're here to fight crime. Hey, now, you're an Emma star. Get your Austin. Let's play balls. Wow. Okay. Though that already, I can tell that one is a hit. That I'm so excited with how this is going. Somebody get me Hollywood on the phone. Because you were a, Hollywood. Because there's a hit, Colin. Don't, for your purposes, I am Hollywood, okay? Don't you worry okay. about me, but... Okay, now I'm going to randomly come up with a movie. The Oh, mercy. All right, I'm is very excited. This is, I'm just, I saw the movie, and I'm like, whoa. Hey, I'm very excited about this Borat. The movie is Borat. Second, the second movie, the second one, but it's a horror comedy. Done. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> run into that Rudy Giuliani scene. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Very good. Borat. Already pretty scary. All right. Now doing another. Do you guys, have you heard of and do you remember... The movie Tenant. Yes. yes. I will Tenet. have seen it. I think that's how Tenant works. You will have seen it in the in the future. Could you imagine if it were an action biker movie? Yeah. So uh JT Tenant, played mm. by John David Washington, uh, he has to get from LA to the San Fernando Valley, which is actually not that far away. But, but all with a motorcycle, it'll take you some time. And then Robert Pattinson starts throwing a bunch of backwards motorcycles at him, and he has to weave and wind his way through with a baseball bat. It takes him two hours, but he finally figures out that if he just sits on the motorcycle backwards and drives it straight ahead, he can beat the tenants that are trying to take away the local children's boys and girls club. Period. Of of America. Guys, that one's not a winner. They're not all going to be winners, you know? Some of them are no, going to be I good. appreciate the honest feedback. Some of them are going to be bad. That's why we have the meeting. We need to have the meeting to separate the wheat from the chaff. That's very important. All right. Now, I'm going to. here's what I'll do. I'll start with the genre. Wow. Action, apparently... As I'm thinking of genres, I'm realizing action biker is a very popular genre. That's amazing, but no, not that's not gonna be it. How about the hit movie Onward as a mafia comedy? Okay, uh, Onward. It's they're about they're trying to find their dead dad, right? Yeah, they're trying to bring their dead dead dad back to life. It's a heartwarming story. Okay, so they're trying to bring their dead b- dad back to 
life as in what really matters he is a mafioso and he even though he <laughs> says it's all about family he neglects his two sons <laughs> i feel like based on the history of mafia comedies if we just call this jane austen's onward isn't that doesn't that work because jane cr- austen crushed the mafia comedy scene <laughs> <laughs> a, co- a comedy of mafia manners well Somebody call up Hollywood because we got another slate of delicious movies for them. We have done it again. We've made so many wonderful movies. And I'm, it says here, I got a note here. I'm supposed to give some of you points. So uh, you, gestures at Mike, you're getting some points. There you go. Congratulations. Please leave those with the girl at the front. The points in the note. The points, oh. if you could. The okay. points are very important to me. When we come back, we are going to be having our final conversation about this movie, The Sound of Metal. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening so far, and let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website It's called yourpopfilter.com and it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! The Sound of Metal is a disability movie and an addiction recovery movie, both of which come with a pretty hefty bag of tropes and cliches. How well does the movie avoid them or turn them on their head? I think by blending them you could get like the worst train wreck version but this does seem to be like greater than the sum of its parts and yeah it'd be great if instead of the blending of being like the best of it all it was the worst of it all and they just raced around screaming (laughs) tropes as fast as they could and just an hour and 45 minutes he just has like 18 relapses (laughs) and and what's interesting is how they treat him as an addict is that we don't see him relapse and joe plays it out that like the heroin addiction, you, you're addicted to heroin, but there's something up here when he points it like, so it's always like you have to center yourself so we don't see him like deftly clutching and We needle. see him do what Joe refers to as acting like an addict. Right. But oh, it I is have, a creepy scene. I have to tell you, it's refreshing to see a movie about somebody in recovery where they don't end up relapsing. Mm. Like, uh, it, relapsing is part of the story, certainly, but it seems to be the only part of the story we get in well, drama. Yeah, I mean, like, we it's, only have two hours, and you have to make those acts, you know? Like, you have to, like, you have to hit your bumps of drama, and so relapsing is perfect. And I think the way that the movie does it is to give him a support system, like we talked about, with Joe and the teacher and Lou, but not have anybody be magical ghosts like magical spirits that yeah. like, will just guide him to do crazy things right. just like be there and say the things that uh anybody would not that you need to hear in order for a movie to become a movie but that anybody would so he can do it himself the whole ending does not work 
if he had his hand held to get to that bench and enjoy the silence. You yeah. know, it has to be people in the background just uh, treating, like acting normal so he can get there on his own. I mean, Joe's sink or swim method where he like, Ruben's up early and fixing the house and Joe's like, don't you fucking do that. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy, man. Sit in like, room and do Mark. nothing. I was like, he's helping. And then like, cause I, I was like, oh, okay. I get what you're saying. It's cause like, he's all of that stuff is so he doesn't think about why he was an that, addict right and so to sit there and write or do nothing just to force that it. fucked me up though because now every time i'm doing a chore i'm just gonna be looking around like is anyone gonna come and stop me and just sure. make me not do chores please but that's the that's the whole basis of, of his pain right is that he can't just sit mm-hmm. and be still because there is something fundamentally kind of like hurting in him and he won't resolve it and instead of resolving it he will do drugs but if he can't do drugs then he'll play music and if he can't play music then he'll fix things like he'll find some way but what he has to do is he has to confront himself and that's like what really he finally finds the space to do at the end of the movie there was another and and then there was another addiction that like wasn't pointed out as hard as some of these other ones like when he straight up says heroin that that's pointed out, but like there was mm-hmm. another one which is in addiction to cool. Like, I, I I think that this togetherness is lame. I think that learning new things is lame. I think yeah, that writing is lame. Ryan. I think that um, you know, uh, he won't do the sign language at first. I was getting like pretty pissed off that he wouldn't like. They were clearly being like trying to teach him how to fucking do it so that he could communicate and be part of the house. And he's just like, no, I'm too cool. Yeah, I'm too well, cool. For and it's sign crazy. Language. That's why this works so with the specificity because he's. He has the addiction. He has the, but it's he still thinks he will hear again. So why even right. try to learn this stuff? It, yeah. And so that's the, that's point. part of the disability trope. It's it's an addiction to control. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. like yeah. I I am going to and like it, it, when you're addicted to heroin, you know, you have that next fix. When you're addicted to control, then you have to put cochlear implants in front of you. And so I'm going to control the situation. The deafness will not control me. Right. You know, but whatever. He he's still no matter how old he is. You know, and he's he's past the peak of i think uh most popular musicians right like i'm yeah. not sure if he he seems like 32 to Ew, 30. so old. Uh, i'm not <laughs> sure he's ever gonna make it but like he still has that thing that he has not grown out of of like pff, 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 yeah. whatever man that's how he drums <laughs> <laughs> drums are expensive and then on the disc on the disability side uh well yeah he sells them to get those implants uh <laughs> i think a trope often is how isolated the disability can make you feel. And what I think uh-huh. is really genius in this movie, it still has that, but he is sur- the, the most isolated part is uh, at the meeting and the dinner, everybody's joking. Although yeah. they're, community, they're joking. He's most isolated, Mark. surrounded by the people. It's because they don't think it's a disability. So to still play those notes, but play them in a way that other movies haven't, I think was so fucking smart. I mean, I think they could be more polite to the new person, you know, like maybe, maybe yeah. include the new person, but what they all kind of seem like assholes. But, so. Well, no, I think that the truth is that this is not like the kind of place that has a bunch of new people yeah. all the time. And so, and like his chore is he has yeah. to learn how to be deaf. <laughs> that is a like, fucked I think up day one job. <laughs> they have, they have like a lot of stuff that they have to do and they have a way of living and he's kind of just being inserted into it. So I think it takes a while for them to accept him. They're all addicts who are deaf as well. So yeah. like they're on the same journey. Too. But what they're not doing is they're not going to say, Oh, this cool new rock star who is deaf now, but thinks he won't be, we're going to adjust uh, the tone of our dinner, the dinner that we love because we get to hang out with each other just because he's here. They're like, fuck that, let's eat and party, and then they party in their own way. This is a guy who does think that he is like, 
you know, uh, the Kool-Aid man in a lot of social situations. Yeah. He comes in and he like, oh, my God, it's Ruben. And they have their own shit going on. Ruben isn't cool to them and they're not going to change shit. And what's we just by watching him move the world, we know that's the effect he has. But we literally never see anybody react to him. Right. Like uh-huh. it, it could just be imagined because of how he responds. Well, like you've been in bands before. You know that like. When you're in a band, no matter how shitty, you just think that about yourself, even though there is yeah, no reason for you Just walk in slow-mo to. and take off sunglasses every bar you go into. <laughs> <laughs> speed round. It is time to enter into the speed round. Why does bleaching your eyebrows completely change everything about the way you Dude, look? I didn't know that that was Olivia Cook until an hour Me and a half neither. into the movie. <laughs> Ryan. I, I have I saw her in Vanity Fair. I saw her in Ready Player One. I'm like familiar with her, and it wasn't until she appears with like darker eyebrows that I was like, oh yeah, that's who but that is. It's like it's a facial feature that seems subtle unless it's anything different than typical. Right. And then you're like, oh shit, what the fuck is wrong with you? When I saw her, I wasn't like, I don't know who this actress is, and it's because the eyebrows are. Ble- I didn't notice the bleached eyebrows. I just knew for a fact I have oh, you no did idea it? who this is. It almost reminds me of when we watched, uh, you know, the couple samurai movies that we've watched, where there was the style for women to like, kind of like shave their eyebrows yeah, and then draw them higher. in two inches yeah. higher. Eyebrows, I think, honestly, the thing you do is like you just totally leave them alone. <laughs> Nothing can improve over just uh, staying the hell away from them. Dads, huh? I, I, I don't know. What do you guys think about this, dad? That dad fucked up, dude. I don't know. Sorry to jump in before you can even answer the fucking question. Uh, this Alex dad, I immediately... I get it. I immediately thought of the, the dad who does not even appear in the Piano Teacher. Uh-huh. This, I got, I'm getting real bad vibes off, off this dad. Well, that's just because he's French. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way they I do. think that he thinks that he's doing a good job when Ruben comes over for mm-hmm. brunch. And I think he has a lot to be sorry for, but... It's really hard for dudes like this to apologize in a way where it feels like an apology. It's still like, yeah. eh. So much of your apology is saying how you didn't like me until a minute yeah. ago. <laughs> it was you then, and now it's you now, and I'm fucking. And the burned. stuff he says about the stuff he says about his late ex-wife, and like the way that the wife stole his daughter from him multiple times and committing to yeah. her life. Like it's like, dude, whoa, hang on, this is like dark stuff and we know that this is a damaged woman we know that you know the that that lou comes out you know she cuts herself and she self-harms and everything so i just like i I found myself looking at this guy and being like "Hmm, but like what's your deal you can tell just in this cameo of this like uh uh, very revered french actor this is the guy from uh diving bell the butterfly um Mm -hmm. that the mom killed herself to him you know, Lou ran away. It, it happened to him. She cuts herself. It, it yeah, all, yeah. A very self-centered. Picked, yeah, just like she Ruben, right? Ruben to Which him. Makes yeah, sense. and so they get to say. Yeah. Uh, also, if uh, I understand, if you're home alone making uh, breakfast for yourself, that's fine. But if somebody's going to come over and you're going to feed them, put some shoes and socks on, please. Like he just <laughs> he remained barefoot. <laughs> if if you are home alone and someone's coming over and you don't want them to come over. Uh, try heating up your doorknob, right? Maybe put right. a blowtorch by your door, Break right? Some ornaments, and then you definitely <laughs> want shoes and socks on. <laughs> Tie a pink into a rope and fucking swing that shit around and see what happens. Swing that, dude. Man, that probably fucked that guy up so good. How long could you guys sit quietly in a room? Uh, five minutes. I don't think I would instantly 
punch a donut and punch attack the, wall. the donut <laughs> i would probably slowly eat the donut to try to make that distract me you got just like a crumb at the time you guys ever had the idea to slowly eat something and that just means like i'm gonna enjoy this over the next hour and that just means that it's really gone in 30 seconds like i'm yeah, going to but at least it's not the 10 seconds it normally is I don't even like aspire to that anymore. I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to cram this. Like this, what he did to that donut with his fist is what I would do to that donut with my mouth. I would just jam it all into my mouth in seconds and then be like, okay, what but, now? Why, Greg, every time you do that, you pull out a fish bone. <laughs> I have to say one thing. Um, I like sign language is very cool. And there was a movie called Wit, and it was it, it had a very small scene about like being funny in sign language. One thing I definitely like in, in sign language is addiction. They have the right word for that. The fact, especially if you're like uh, in in recovery, actually having to do the fish hook thing yeah, to yeah. yourself, <laughs> I think you really have to admit you have a problem if to sign it to people you have to fish hook yourself in that is way. Is Wit with Emma Thompson? Yes. Wit? I believe Wait, so. is this movie that I've never seen, nobody has seen, but when people talk about like the best performances of the last 20 years, it's always brought up. Like apparently she's fucking Wit amazing is, in this movie. Wit is amazing, especially if you like um witty dialogue and like not yeah. just to not just not just to have it be part of what you're watching, but instead have it be like dissected and like, you know, wit really looked at as the object, the center of a film. It's good for that. Well, that is the end of speed round. It is time to move on to awards. Mmm, that smell. That wonderful smell. It's the smell it, of metal. It's the smell of metal. Hot metal. The awards have been heating all night, and now they're red hot, and they're ready to be given out. It's award season. Uh, now, as you know, this movie did not win any Oscars because temporarily uh, we are out of joint with that right oh. now. So, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that it can't win some awards right here. And in fact, let's give it some. So uh, this one is like such a biggie. Sometimes it's it's crazy that this is just an award because we have to wait all the way to the end to talk about it. But pound for pound performance, is this a slammy D, Mike? I think I would love to be punk rock enough to really talk about Joe and Paul Racy. And I think yeah. he is an amazing actor and does a great job in his. But it is, I think Riz Ahmed is undeniable in... Everything is in, but particularly this. And so often this kind of movie, you can see the person showing the scenery and you're like, we, the whole movie's you, bro. You don't have to kick it up that notch. And I don't think he does. And he he's just an interesting- Including kind of, multiple scenes where he is screaming at the top of his lungs, yeah. destroying. <laughs> but it's still, it, it feels, it just feels really natural. Uh, and he, because he has the lows as well. I don't know. I He's so good, man. What do you say, Ryan? Can Can you, dare you disagree with that? I can, and maybe this is because of buildup. Maybe it's because I, I heard for so long that the reason this movie exists is so Riz Ahmed could just dazzle us. Um, but I think it's really hard to get away from Paul Racy. Like, and uh, there's so many times that we can point it out. Uh, we talked about the scene where uh, Ruben says, "I got the surgery," and you know he's kind of cocky. Yeah. He's feeling good, and he just sits there. And to it's it's easy to be like 
a leader in name. You know, I should be uh-huh. the leader because I feel like I have the biggest dick. But the way that he does it, 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 it it's because he's the one who makes the hardest decisions. And you yeah. watch him break by making this decision. And I have to choose my people over you, this kid I love. But the other scene I want to talk about, too, is uh, when uh, Ruben and Lou are in the office. And, when they first meet him? Yeah, when they first meet him. And Ruben and Lou are like arguing. Like, I'm not going to give up my phone. I'm not going <laughs> to... Uh, we're not going to separate. We'll, we'll just live in the big uh, silver van that we have. Mm-hmm. And just his way of continuing, of just saying, like, I'm going to ignore your response, sort of. And <laughs> uh-huh. I'm just going to keep like asking you the questions I need to ask. And uh, I will only accept the answers that I want to hear. Like... Uh, it, it there is a I don't know air of amateurity to the performance, you know, like he's not a well trained actor like Riz is, but it, it it's not in a way for uh, like uh, I don't know we went to the Ozarks and filmed with real Ozarkians, like he yeah he, I think he steals this movie straight up. It's so exciting to see an actor who is usually only cast because he's kind of goofy looking, which is like so dehumanizing really you know be three-dimensional and be human and yeah as you said ryan that scene where you can tell like yeah for him leadership is you will take on the pain of leadership because leadership is an awful thing to have to endure because of what you have to do and when you're dealing with addicts you just have to have boundaries that break your heart you know to to and i don't think it's punk rock i'm gonna give it to you ryan ryan Uh, i don't know i know this is riz ahmed's like movie or whatever but i oops this guy <laughs> slipped in and he just took it like uh, and i think it's because he didn't try to do that it's because yeah. he just lived in his performance there uh, the end of the scene where he says you can't even live here you have to leave right now uh, the camera lingers on him in a way that you, the, the camera doesn't generally linger on actors after a scene and it feels almost behind the scenes for a second and you feel like you're seeing the actor really be very upset like mm-hmm. i i uh, that was a, a cool moment. That it felt like you were almost outside the movie for a second, but not. But in a way what I'd hurt, what I didn't see is the director trying to do a thing. You no. know, like it wasn't like I, I think that you can make the argument that the last shot that we get is a little, yeah, directory. You know, well, like, let's it, talk about directory stuff right now. Let's move on to that. But uh, I think that leaving the camera on Joe in that moment didn't feel like, oh, I see what you're doing, director. It felt like, no, we we have to sit here at this table with him. It felt like a found moment and that the Mm -hmm. director, you know, found it as well and left it in in the movie because it was a real thing that was not planned for, but but just like a little bit of truth that existed sort of on its own. But how about director moment? What is the, the, we don't really know this guy yet. It's his rookie performance, but what do we think his signature moment is? Let's go with you, Mike. So he he has throughout like a handheld camera style, right? He he it feels like docky, like he's in mm-hmm. there. Uh but I think the lingering is a huge one cuz it happens the the time I'm going to zoom in in is when Lou is just done with Ruben and she's just hopping in a car and she's like, mm-hmm. "Nope." Uh <laughs> and Ruben freaks out. Normally it would end there and you just see him like kick his feet on the asphalt and then go like sit on the step of the rv like it uh-huh. again lingers longer than a normal scene would okay uh, so yeah just like that hanging out with him after it feels like sort of the emotional closure right. of the scene what do you say ryan same thing <laughs> little different uh, i i guess like 30 seconds before that um you really this guy does like uh, a ton of work to make you know that you're never going to be like tricked or fucked up by the camera like he, he's not going to pull any tricks it that the scene is very clearly handheld, like Mike said, but it's the argument before 
of Lou and Ruben almost predicting the future that it's not just going to be 90 days or four months or whatever yeah. it is. Like they know that this is it. And the camera moves way more than any other part of the movie. It's moving around the cab and Ruben just has to not let her get in the cab. And they're both, they're both sort of acting out in their own way. And he doesn't just tripod it mm-hmm. like so much of the other, like the rest yeah. of the movie. And like, that's not to talk shit on the rest of the movie. Like, you know, like still cameras are important for so much of the other scenes, but this one to have the action of, it's not an action scene like the Chitari aliens are coming. It's an action <laughs> scene. Like there's a taxi here and we have a timeline, you know, the taxi's going to leave and it feels like it fills your chest with, Oh my God, what is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Who is it? Zero, one or two people about to get in this cab. And he gently makes you feel that, that, that tenseness. Yeah. Uh. Ryan, I like that. That's a, a good moment because the camera is still throughout the entire movie and that sort of earns then the, the feeling of that action in that moment. And I don't think it's something that it's not one of these director moves that you feel and you're like, ah, I see he's doing something here. I think it's one that you kind of blend into because I didn't even realize that like there was that amount of action in it until you brought it up. Yeah, it's not like a three minute take with no cuts. You know, it's not like, look at me, I'm a director. Right. 2020 is pretty good at not delivering cringe. Does this movie give us cringe, Ryan? Okay. The best that I could come up with, because this is uh, this movie is clean as shit as far as that goes, is uh, Ruben didn't know that he was going to be taken to a tour, on a tour, and part of that was a classroom full of like 10-year-olds. Uh-huh. But once, he, once he's there, his shirt just says jism. Like, he's, just, <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he, he's just around uh, 30 deaf children, and it says jism right there. <laughs> I like how uh, when he walks into that classroom, there's one handsome, cool kid, and right away they are both like, hey, we're on each other's yeah. level. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, bud. <laughs> we are peers. Mike, What did, did you cringe at any moment? I, I did, but not in the normal way we cringe. When, when they meet back up in Paris and they're making out, her oh God, hand yeah. kept going on his head, and I thought she was going to rip out the implant. I kept oh. just like, ooh. <laughs> she also says gypsy, which is not a, not, not a, a great a great term to be using. Um, and then she spits on a kid who is just asking for a dollar. It was really rude of her. <laughs> but let's see. I'm going to go with uh, that making out, I think, Mike. I'm going to give it to Mark on that one. Uh, everything about that is 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 pretty cringy moment. When two people mid-makeout realize they no longer have any chemistry, <laughs> that's just uh, everybody wants to just turn into liquid and just I float away. <laughs> float away. Um so this next award is called Riz I'm Mad. It's the crankiest Riz Ahmed moment. Ryan, what is the biggest, freakiest moment for you in this movie? I mean, this movie is t- is filled with FYC in, uh, you know, not like bad ways. You know, he has so many moments. But as far as like the biggest outburst, the one that hit me the most was it was in the bed. It like j- in the same thing that Mike was just talking about. And I. Uh, him saying that it's okay and then they hug and cry and then he all there's a part of me and him that was thinking he's gonna say it's okay we can break up and she's gonna be like no we will never (laughs) and then they hug and they sob because this is it you know like it's it's uh it's definitely the end of the relationship and it is like this huge threshold of maturity that the the two of them have crossed 
that's my most uh, emotional outburst from Ruben that I I thought that was the most important and best. All right, what do you say, Mike? I, I went with the the title and really focused on the mad and. I think it's going to be the scene that, like, when this movie is seen more talked about is the donut smash punch ball. <laughs> and then he even starts saying, you fucking idiot. And he's talking aloud. He can't hear it. It's just, like, that habit yeah. <laughs> that's built in him is to talk out loud. So he's, like, muttering and just destroying everything around him. The donut, that's, like, his food for the day. And he's still so mad he destroys it. So I feel like it captures where he's at there. And is he rebuilding so nobody notices that he smashed it or so that he can do it again in one second? I don't even know. He is like just barely contained rage mm-hmm. at that point, and it slips out a little bit at the donut. Uh, <laughs> Mark, I'm going to go with Mike on that one because that, to me, that is what anger feels like. Like just that barely, like I want to just like smash something, and then as soon as you do, you're like, whoops, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> people, I could put it back together. I could put the people back don't together. like it when you do smashies. If there's ever a house to just like smash something, not actually damage, but just like make a lot of noise, I guess that'd be the one. Uh, most metal moment, Mike. Uh, we see him get the surgery. We see him get the cochlear surgery. Yep, the, we sure the, do. The bloody ear is on the big screen and there's a drill and it sounds very similar uh, as an old fogey who doesn't really listen to the middle of the kids. I thought maybe metal was just playing because the way these drills were going in unison. And I think yes. all of that, the visuals and sonically, it all felt pretty damn metal. Pretty metal. Ryan, what do you think? I mean, at, like when this movie sort of does dabble in tropes and cliches, as far as, you know, getting this person to become whole again, uh, one of them is I'll take fucking I'll take handsome kid, I'll take him outside, and uh, it's the halfway point of the it's the turning point of the movie when he goes from too cool for school rock star to person who wants to be a part of the community, and they start banging on the metal slide, and they start they put their ears down to the metal, and that's how they're talking to each other, you know, like because I, I that's don't, the sound of metal, yeah, like I. I, I mean, I think that this movie was purposefully has a title as double on ton. Like this is the turning point of them putting their heads down, him becoming family and mm. the sound of metal is what saved him, not what destroyed him. Right. I like that. That is a, a very good answer. Uh, and what's funny about that is um, that should just be the moment where he's like, I'm going to go be a better person now, but that's never how it works. It's always like he sees that he's about to grow into a better person. And he's like, should I maybe get back up on my old bullshit? Just one last (laughs) time just to see if that works. I should fight against it for like an hour, right? I'm going to fight against (laughs) it for an hour and then I'll be cool. When we come back, we are going to talk about who won this show and whether or not the sound of metal has what it takes to go into our bracket. Well, will this movie go deep into the bracket? What do we think, guys? Do we think that, you know, we don't have a bracket yet. We don't know what movies are in, what movies are out. Do we think this one has what it takes to get into it or to be movie of the year? I think this movie is great. I have very little quibbles or quabbles with it. But like we talked mm-hmm. about in the beginning, I think it might be too intimate and small. And the movies that tend to end up in the bracket are either giant popcorn spectacles or... God damn, isn't this talk about the nature of the world? <laughs> Which is bullshit. We should be pissed off about that fact, right? Yeah. Like I, I do think it's horseshit. We're the fucking authority that comes in and like actually lets people know what the movie of the year is. 
I while watching this, we are beholden to Letterbox, though. A lot of we kind of like edit what Letterbox does, but like there are a lot of ways in which we do kind of accept what what they right. give to us. And if this were like if we were ten years in the future, would this even be a Letterboxed movie? I mean, yeah, like it's possible that like it doesn't even have a chance to be in contention. But I also think that if it did, it wouldn't because of what Mike said. Like I want to fight against what Mike said, but only like surface level and just know <laughs> mm-hmm. how we actually are I, watching the movie i the whole time i was like this is fine this is good this is good it's inarguably good yeah and i think ultimately how i came out of it was it is the sum of its parts which feels like a pejorative thinking about it since i watched it talking to you guys i think it is actually a lot more you know i do think that yeah there's a lot of amazing things going on that did it made for good yeah. conversation yeah and like you know, sound design was a big part. Riz Ahmed was a big part. Uh, but ultimately, to be in the Elite Eight, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I, I think that you may be right. Um, but were those the words of a winner? No, alas, they were not, Ryan. You scored 22 points, but you were pantsed in front of everyone when Mike scored 27. Whisk. Current Make best friend. Butt. Just spanked your little bottom until it was redder still. Mike, that means you are my best yes. friend now, and maybe forever if you keep this up. That's so could weird, be. It's so weird how you bring your friends. That is the sound of metal show, ladies and gentlemen. We will see you next week. But until then, hey, do me a favor, would you? And keep watching them movies. 